everyone. You are tuning in to Learn FM. My name is Lian Tan, and I invite you to join me on a learning adventure through this podcast, where we discuss topics related to learning, growth, personal development, and more. I hope that you are able to digest the information that we'll be sharing and start applying some simple tips and tricks into your daily life. And don't forget to share your learnings with others, because when we learn together, we grow together. I highly recommend that you take time off screen to listen to this, or even go outside for a walk. Of course, please be mindful of your surroundings and stay safe. This podcast is brought to you by DSM. DSM is a global, purpose-led company in health, nutrition, and bioscience, applying science to improve the health of people, animals, and the planet. DSM's purpose is to create brighter lives for all. In this episode, we will be discussing the importance of science and innovation. Why it is so important for us to embrace failure and try new things, and some tips on how to stay fit from a leader. Let's welcome our special guest today, who also has a huge passion for cooking, Trish Malarkey, Chief Science Officer at DSM. Hi, Trish. Welcome to this episode of Learn FM. How are you feeling today? Hi, Yang. I'm feeling good. Thanks. It's nice to see you again. Yeah, it's really nice to see you virtually. Yeah, <laughs> and um, let's start with some icebreaker questions before we go into the uh, the gist of the podcast. The best piece of advice you've ever been given. The best piece of advice I've ever been given is when um, someone once told me, "If you're not clear about what you want to do, at least be clear about what you don't want to do." Um, and I think that was a really helpful piece, and I always look for that when I'm talking with people and talking to them about their careers as well. You know, sometimes it's hard. We say, "Where do you want to be? What's your ambition? Where? What's your your goal in life?" And I think sometimes it's 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 easier to be clear about where you what areas you don't want to be in um, as you leave open the field of areas that you do want to play in. Very nice. And what is your dream job? For me, the dream job is something in science, something with people, and also the ability to shape and influence things. Ooh, very interesting. <laughs> and would you rather be the world's best chef or a superhero? Oh, that's a good. That's a good question. I think I'd rather be um, the world's best chef. Oh, I would definitely be <laughs> at your restaurant. Yeah, I think that way I can really、um, enjoy people, <laughs> feeding people. And if you were a season, if you could choose to be a season, what season would you be? Oh, for sure, autumn, fall. Yeah. Yeah. And your favorite scientific discovery? That's an interesting one. I there's so many. If I think about, there's the kind of Hollywood discoveries like、um, you know Marie Curie discovering、uh, radium, or and then there's all the Scot being Scottish. There's all of the Scottish inventors, you know, the telephone, the TV. We claim everything being Scottish: the TV, penicillin. So I really love the fact that we. I grew up being told the Scots were great inventors. So any any Scottish invention. Speaking about science, I'm sure our listeners are very curious. How does a day in the life of the chief science officer look like at DSM? 
Yeah. Um, at the moment, day-to-day life looks like um, sitting in front of a, a computer and having team meetings. It was really nice when we had a little bit more opportunity to be in the workplace. Uh, so I really love being in the labs, even if it's even if it's just to be around the people who are going in and out the labs. I actually really like to be in the labs, connecting with the scientists. Um, so I use any opportunity I can to do my work from one of our, our science locations, either Delft, Kaiserhaus. And so it's always nice to be around scientists. And you were talking a little bit about your dream job earlier on in the icebreaker. It sounds like it does match what your dream job description is, your current role, isn't it? Yep. And I can honestly say through my career, I've always had my dream job. Even when I went into a job and didn't know that it was going to be my dream job, it always turned out to be a dream job. And that's why I think it's uh, consistently, I've always worked in science. I've increasingly, increasingly worked with bigger and bigger groups of people. And as I, um, as I developed in my career, I was able to do more uh, strategy and really develop and influence you know, large companies that I work for. So it, it just slowly but surely, um, every job I've done has become my dream job. How and why did you choose to go into the field of science and innovation? Yeah, you know, it's always hard to remember or define that moment of choice. But I know for a fact, when I look back, I grew up in, in Scotland. I grew up in the west coast of Scotland and I grew up in Glasgow. And if you know a lot about that part of the world, it was always known as the sort of heart disease capital of Europe. And so I think from an early age, I always had this sense. My father was a baker. I lived close to a brewery. There was a cigarette factory behind our house. They rolled the tobacco. They obviously, you know, that was imported. And we had a hospital. So I think I always grew up with this sense of the connection of food, lifestyle and health. And my sister was a scientist as well. And I was always inspired by her sense of, um, you know, she always got me microscopes and chemistry sets and things like that. She was a bit older than I was. So I think I always had this idea that science would solve problems and a sense of the, the fact that a lot of the problems that we have in the world are created with our diets and our lifestyles. And so I think that's really just, it's not a big decision moment. It's just the environment that you grew up knowing that your diet, your lifestyle will be a major factor in your in health outcomes. And how did you eventually end up in the field of nutrition? Well, uh, so what happened was I went to university and I knew I was going to start study science. That was definitely kind of predetermined in my own vision of myself from a young age. So when I went to university, I actually studied chemistry and I wanted to do something more in the applied chemistry. So I went into the agricultural chemistry and it was largely because I wanted to do something in the, it's interesting now, in the whole food production system, you know, what was the, what was food production all about? And I did my first degree was a chemistry degree, but it was very much focused on animal nutrition, production of animal feed. It was about how you treat the soil, a lot of soil science 
Indians. It was about producing crops and producing food. So it was more around the production side. And then I went into work for an agricultural company and then went back to do my postgraduate degree where I studied toxicology. And that was really because I wanted to work in the food industry some way. And I really figured that, you know, looking in toxicology and thinking about food safety, that was the real starting point, was working in food, but from the angle of the safety of food. That's how I came to be, spend most of my career. The first part of my career was spent in the agricultural production side. And now having worked uh, with a little bit of time with Novozymes and now with DSM, it is more in the nutrition side of food. So it's kind of like a nice progression. That's a beautiful journey indeed. So Trish, could you share with us where are we on our journey for becoming a health nutrition and bioscience company? I think we're right at the point where we've done all our work in designing this new organization. And we're at the point now where we are about to implement. 2022 is, is the first year of our journey. And so we really get to put into play what we have defined and designed. And I think what I would like to say is taking a great deal of time to really make sure that we get the right start for this journey. And I think 2022 is a year of implementation. Indeed. And what is your personal vision for the future of DSM? I think for the future, the one thing I think is really important is that we say what we we, we deliver what we say we're going to deliver. We've made some food system commitments. My first vision is that we deliver on our commitments. And I think we will only deliver on those commitments if we become the company that we said we are going to become, which is a health through nutrition and enabled by biosciences. I think we need to um, deliver on those three muscles. It's not about uh, one becoming more prominent than the other. It's actually about our global products are a really critical and important part of our, our operating model. Our local solutions are still going to be what customers look to us for, and these will all require innovation. And our precision and personalization is this journey that we need to successful tra successfully transition into and build the capabilities. So the vision I have for the future is we look back and we say we delivered on what we promised to ourselves, to our shareholders, to our staff, and to our customers. Thank you for sharing your vision with us. For some of our listeners out there, we might not really understand the term biosciences. Could you explain what this means? So for me, biosciences is a collection of the scientific capabilities um, that are required to really have an impact on a system. You know, you can start at the level of a cell and you look back to the comments about a system. You can look at the whole system of a body, a planet or an ecosystem. And biosciences are 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 a collection of scientific capabilities that allow you to have a, the possibility to play with biotechnology right down at the organism level, but with all of the interplay of all of these sciences together allows you to bring it together with chemistry, biology, mathematics, um, pharmacology, nutrition. It allows you to have a way at looking at whole systems. 
Ooh, you just gave me the chills. It got me really excited listening to you explaining this. As a leader, your job requires you to do a lot of traveling. Have you noticed any impact of your own health and mental well-being? How do you manage to stay healthy and mentally fit? I really think about this all the time. And something my son said to me once is, you only do things that you prioritize, right? If you're going to lose weight, you have to prioritize it. If you're going to exercise more, you have to prioritize it. And we're really, really good at prioritizing our work over everything. And sometimes over you know, over our families or whatever, if I don't prioritize my exercise, then I don't do it. The way I try to keep fit and healthy is by prioritizing exercise. And and I do tend to do that. I'm not always good at it. It sometimes gets compromised, but I do really make a conscious effort to prioritize exercise. And one of the things that I do and have managed to do, and people will say, well, how do you find the time to do it? I, I prioritize it. I try to walk 50 kilometers a week. Now, sometimes that means I've got a lot of walking to do on a weekend, <laughs> but I try to make sure that I prioritize some of it during the week. And if I think about it, my, my goal is always an hour and a half a day If I can go out an hour and a half of day uh, and I can still take a day off and I can get that done. And that's what I therefore have to prioritize. I have to say, and what does prioritize mean? I have to say it's, it is more important than working an extra hour past six o'clock or it's something that I will get up out of bed and make sure I don't have a call at 9am because I'll do it before 9am or I take an extended lunchtime and my assistant is wonderful because she does sometimes she she will block an extended lunchtime so that I can take an extended lunch to take a walk. And I also like to do yoga. Yoga is um, is a really important part of my health and well-being. And I think as well, just one other thing, you know, it's easy to say that's how I do it. And the reason that makes me do it, because as I feel the consequences when I don't do it, if I haven't exercised, I know I feel the consequences of my Friday looks different when I'm kind of crawling to the finish line on a Friday, in those weeks where I've really done the job of prioritizing the exercise, a Friday doesn't feel like the hardest slog than those weeks where I know I haven't had the chance to exercise. So I think the thing that makes it easier for me to prioritize it is I see the benefits when I do it. I have more energy. As a leader yourself, you have so much to manage on your day-to-day life, right? And so many businesses to look after. How do you stay on top of trend to make sure that you you know what's out there in the market? One of the things is to read a lot, really. I mean, I mean cu- be curious. I remember that being one of these assessments that I did before and uh, early in my career and getting some kind of recognition for being curious. I never really saw the significance of it until I look back on it now. I'm absolutely fascinated by so many things. So when... Uh, and, and a, a, a cost of that, the downside of that is I can go down many little rabbit warrens of curiosity. But when it's in a field that you're really 
really interested in is to read, is to see what others are doing, to watch, to be curious and to listen. And then the other thing is ask the question as a leader, how do I stay? You know, use your team. I learn so much more about what's important, what are the trends, not necessarily through my own reading, but through what other people tell and what other leaders bring to your attention. Other leaders, you know, in my team um, who are reading, who are interested, who are curious, know that I am interested in what they are seeing and hearing. Thank you so much for sharing this. And, you know, as a scientist yourself, I think you have a lot to say about embracing failures. Could you share a tip or two for our listeners out there why failure is actually something we need to embrace more on and maybe not be afraid to speak up when we when things are not going well? Yeah, I think it's so important because science, innovation, actually most good processes are a bit trial an error, right? It's as simple as that. It's try things, make the mistake and move on. You know, you hear this uh, expression, fail fast. And I think that's what we try to build into. Let's not dwell on the failure for too long. It's about really knowing when something's not going to work or or iterating, amending, building something new into it. So trial and error is really important because I think um, if you can learn to fail fast, you actually succeed early. Uh, And I think the other thing is that we shouldn't underestimate the capability we get. We're, We're not in the business of making money out of capability because you want to make sure that the capabilities you build are deployable on the next thing and the next thing. And I think every time I've seen a project fail or something fail, you can always look back and see how it enabled something else uh, and something better and something different, or it builds a platform of capability that you wouldn't have. You have to experiment to succeed. And by experimenting, you gain capabilities. Thank you for talking about experimenting. I love that you're sharing this and trying something new and experimenting. I think this is something that we often do not do enough of. Yeah, yeah, no, experimenting is a really, it's in human beings' nature. You know, we haven't fully, we haven't fully evolved to our full capability and we will only do that by experimenting and getting some things wrong. Could you share some myths about science that you want to debunk for our listeners? So maybe there's something in your mind recently that you've read online and you go, no, this is so not true that, you know, you want to share out here. Oh, you know, I've spent a whole career really thinking and trying to debunk. There's a belief that natural is safe and chemical and um, man-made is not safe. That really confuses a lot of our thinking and it's actually a barrier to innovation. Man-made technologies are often the safest, the most studied and some of the most dangerous things in our environment is in nature. So this is one of the things I would love to see people really um getting a balanced perspective, because there's no right and wrong answer, but it's just this basic assumption that natural is safe and man-made is not safe. I would love to see 
the science um, being given a better fighting chance than it than it often gets. Beautiful. Thank you for sharing this. Trish, thank you so much for being with us on this episode. How are you feeling right now? Oh, great. Thanks. It was really nice to have a, a chat. Um, it was nice to be provoked by some of your, your great questions. Thank you so much, Trish. And good luck with everything. You too. Thanks, Leanne. Here's a quick recap on what Trish has shared with us in this episode. Number one, staying healthy is very important and what she does is to prioritize and commit and making time for it. Number two, it is so important for us to stay curious. So why not use your team or network to stay on top of trends? Number three, if we learn to fail fast, we could actually succeed much earlier. Failures could lead to new discoveries and by experimenting, we could even gain new capabilities. When was the last time you tried something new? It might sound scary sometimes to try something that's beyond our comfort zone. Our mindset shapes whether we believe we can learn and change and grow or not. A great way to start is to embrace a growth mindset. People with a growth mindset see failure as a part of success, whereas people with a fixed mindset believe that intelligence, talent and other qualities are in it and unchangeable. If you would like to adopt a growth mindset, a great way to start out is perhaps to pick up a new hobby. Learning a new hobby is a great way to build persistency and overcome challenges. Here's a quick hack if you catch yourself saying, I can't do this or I'm not good enough. Start reframing your mindset when you catch yourself doing that by adding the word yet at the end of the sentences. Like, I can't do this yet or I'm not good enough yet. So perhaps it's time for you to start thinking about which new skill set you would like to try out today. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Learn FM. Don't forget to share what you have learned from this podcast with others, because when we learn together, we grow together.